Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today. This is Pete Vecchi. And we are here for another episode, as Melody Morris just said, of Reconciling Grace. We discuss various topics, various Bible passages. Today is one where I guess it's a topic that's based on a Bible passage. Uh, Vicki Cundiff is going to be sharing the topic, What Does It Mean to Be Salt and Light? And Vicki, before I let you start, I guess I would let people know that joining us here in the studio is Mick Wells, and remotely from Danforth, Illinois, is Pastor Don McDonald, Pastor Mac, P. Mac. It's good to have everybody with us. But Vicki, why don't you go ahead and share with us uh, what you'd like to share with us? Well, today we're going to explore uh, these two phrases that Jesus said about believers concerning salt and life light and the scripture is found in matthew chapter 5 um, verses 13 through 16 and it's early on in what's uh, become known as jesus sermon on the mount and so uh, we're going to kind of split that up and and first we'll start with verse 13 and then we'll discuss the usage of salt so that we can better see the meaning of what jesus is referring to in calling believers the salt of the earth and so um, mick if you would like to read verse 13 please sure Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Okay, so we know that one of the most common uses of salt is using it on our food, right? We love that. Uh, It brings out the flavor in our food. Without it, Uh, Meat and vegetables really taste bland, don't they? Mm. So salt makes our food more desirable to eat. It just makes it taste better, you know. You put that on a good steak and put that on the grill and, you know, of course, with another seasoning too, and it just tastes so juicy and so good. And then the doctor tells you, cut out your salt. Yeah, Yeah, and I've I've thought about that too, that there's, I feel sorry for people that have to eat without it, (laughs) you know. I'm not there yet, so (laughs) I get to use the salt. Um, well, the salt substitute tastes horrible, too, so, you know. From experience, oh, you're man. saying that, right, Don? Oh, MSG. Yeah, because <laughs> I had to take care of my grandfather, and we brought in salt substitute, and he was not happy. Oh, usually There's people nothing are nothing like salt. <laughs> <laughs> Brings about that flavor, doesn't it? <laughs> well, let's discuss some uses of salt. What are some other valuable uses of salt? Well, you... Think of uh, preservation of, of meat. I think it's a, a pioneering time preservative, like mm-hmm. beef jerky, something like that. This gets very salty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to remember historically that uh, the idea of having cold places to store our food so it doesn't go bad is fairly new over the last century or so. It used to be salt as a preservative. But, you know, it's one of these things where and I hope I don't get too far afield here, where I'm talking about, it says in the in the scripture passage, it will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Makes me wonder if, if uh, these people to whom Jesus spoke ever thought about what a snowy, icy day would be like and what you do to keep from slipping. <laughs> because, because when it's underfoot, seriously, when you get salt underfoot, it melts the ice 
and you can walk better. So it's really not worthless, but Jesus used the word worthless. So it makes me wonder, you know, what does worthless mean? Maybe it's just the fact that, and this is very serious what I'm saying now, you can take any analogy too far. Um, you know, because it's a it's an earthly analogy trying to describe a heavenly and a spiritual principle. Well, that's another good usage of salt, though, mm-hmm. is that we do put it on the ice um, so that we won't slip and fall, and it does melt it. So, what are some other valuable uses of salt? Might even have a, a medicinal quality. I I've heard people recommend gargling, for example, with mm-hmm. with salt water. So. Uh, a lot of different uses, except like my wife made a mistake one time, <laughs> and she put a cup of salt instead of, she thought she had sugar, she was making a pie, and she put a cup of salt in it, and uh, I'll let you guess what the outcome was there. A little bit too much of a good thing. Eh? Yeah. yeah. But salt does uh, is used uh, for healing purposes. Uh, I've also gargled with it myself. What about Epsom salt? So anybody ever use that? Um, takes down swelling. Uh, I've had my feet in that before, <laughs> you know, because of being sore. Or um, there's also um, that it eases pain, you know, not just the swelling, but it helps with the healing. Um, what about saline? Anybody ever use that mm-hmm. in your nostrils and oh, yeah. helps you to breathe uh, better? Um, so uh, I also know that... Uh, so someone for Christmas got me some uh, bath salts, you know, and I noticed that when I get in that, that makes that water feel almost silky. So it's good for skin. It helps to with the preventing um, of chafing, you know, as far as, you know, itching, you know, helps with that. So uh, it does have a healing agent. So can you think of um, anything else that you valuable uses of salt? Well, you know, um, I don't know if this is on point, but... Salt has a quality of preventing things from growing. So I don't know if you wanted to keep an area of your yard uh, free of, of vegetation, basically, uh, you would do this. And in fact, in history, uh, people would come in and conquer a land and, and plow over the, the city and they would salt the ground so it would become uninhabitable. But it, all that does is illustrate that it can be used to keep vegetation from growing in places if, if that's the desire. Mm-hmm. And I think also that uh, there is salt water. There are certain species of animals, fish mostly, but also some mammals that live in salt water. And Mick, I think that um, I'm correct. I might have this off a little bit, um, but if, if you ever see one of these television shows where they take a camera down and try to find things on the bottom of the of the uh, water it's very different for instance in the great lakes here in the united states where it's fresh water compared to where it's salt water where it's salt water you can see the things a lot better and where it's fresh water the things are corroded a lot more another usage of salt is um, it's a cleansing agent so you can even use it to remove stains and so I think we can see that it has a, a lot of uh, uses to it. And, you know, Jesus was great at taking something out of everyday life and using it as an illustration uh, to make a spiritual point. And that's what he's trying to do here, because back then salt was a valuable commodity, just like it, it is today. 
Uh, Roman soldiers received wages in salt because it was used for currency in trading. Um, and this is interesting. The law of Moses required all of the Israelite offerings to contain salt. So you can see that cleansing agent and what that would mean if you was making an offering toward God and that, that cleansing, you know, mm-hmm. what it represented. And, uh, of course, as you mentioned, you know, uh, Mick, about the salt and packing the, the disciples would recognize that as packing their fish. I think that uh, one of you talked about that. And so they really got it when he was talking about this. They could understand that perspective. So he said to them, you are the salt of the earth. And I don't think we hear that phrase too much this day, but I know when I was younger, um, I would hear that several times, um, someone calling somebody the salt of the earth. And basically, it was used to describe someone that was a good person, uh, something in their character that was good. You know, you do something good for somebody, and they'd say, oh, you're the salt of the earth, which is taking the scripture literally for what it actually meant. So according to dictionary.com, salt of the earth means, and I love this, an individual or group considered as representative of the best or noblest elements of society. So that speaks volumes spiritually uh, of what Jesus is saying here. So taking all this into consideration, what is the meaning of believers being the salt of the earth? What is Jesus trying to say? One of the things that I always think of when I hear this is, again, bringing it back to the context of what salt was used for in the day Jesus spoke this. And while we tend to think of it mostly as a flavoring agent in our culture, back then I believe that it was probably as much or more thought of as that preserving agent. And so we as Christians might be the the salt, the preservation agents of this world. Because, I mean, what would this world be like if there were no Christians? The Holy Spirit lives within Christians. What would happen if, say, for instance, something like a rapture took place and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit was no longer indwelling any people in this world? What would be preserving the world then? That's true. And and I think, Pete, when you were bringing that out, um, when you look at the context of Matthew 5, you go to Matthew 4, and Matthew 4 is about the kingdom of God and how it's moving forth. And when you hit Matthew 5 and the Sermon on the Mount, of which is the context of this, you begin to realize that Jesus is saying, and this is what the kingdom of God is going to look like. And in my kingdom that I'm bringing forth, you are the salt of the earth. You are the ones that will bring God's kingdom to life as you walk in and through these teachings. So it's very much a active role of bringing to life God's kingdom. And Matthew 5 is about bringing to life God's kingdom. So it carries that benefit of this is how God's kingdom comes to life as you are the preservatives, as you are the ones that bring to life the kingdom of God. I like that. It's so true um, because we're representing Jesus in this world. Um, so if we look at this, uh, the meaning of believers and continuing that thought, uh, we were talking about it as a cleansing agent, and we are examples of the cleansing that we've received from Christ, haven't we? Um, of what that looks like to not live like the rest of the world does and get involved in all that corruption uh, that is all around us and trying to stay away from that. And 
Um, we're also an example of healing. We discussed how it was used as a healing agent. So could you have any thoughts on that of how we can bring about healing in our world as Christians? Well, you know, I believe that the Holy Spirit can heal through the gift of healing, but we often think only in terms of, or at least mainly in terms of physical healing, we have that spiritual balm that we can give people. We can heal the soul, heal the spirit. Um, And again, it's the Holy Spirit that's doing it, but he's working through us, and we are that healing agent, that, that agent of bringing comfort bringing um, peace uh, that the Holy Spirit gives. I agree, and I think that part of that is emotionally, too, in bringing healing to relationships, just to add on to that, mm-hmm. um, showing love and forgiveness, because that goes outside of the human realm. Um, and so we, if we're going to be the salt of the earth, we need to, you know, being like Jesus, he forgave us uh, when we sinned against him, and we didn't deserve that, but he forgave us, and so... It also is used uh, in that way to show uh, love and forgiveness. But I think that it is a matter of also uh, with salt, we are uh, showing something good in the world. We, we should be flavorful or desirable. The gospel of Christ is desirable as people see the change in us and want that for themselves. Sure. And it's time right now for us to take a quick break for our sponsors. So we'll be right back with the second half of Reconciling Grace. So we've been talking about what it means to be salt in the world. Jesus said that we are uh, the salt of the earth. And so now the the scripture that we've been reading from chapter 5 in Matthew, we're going to continue in. Verse 13 was, we are the salt of the earth. And verses 14 through 16 talks about us being the light of the world. And so, Don, would you read that scripture for us, please? I sure would. It's an honor. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. All right, thank you. So. We know that from reading the Bible that it contrasts light and darkness. And so light we know that uh, represents God and and Jesus. It represents things that are pure and good. And darkness represents Satan or evil or sin or wickedness. And so the Gospel of John records that Jesus said that he is the light of the world. Yet here in our text, he says that we are the light of the world. So what does that mean? What is the connection that he's trying to make here? I like to look at it this way. Um, what light does the moon give off on its own? Nothing. It's simply reflecting the light from the sun. Sun, S-U-N. Well, we as Christians are reflecting the light of the sun, S-O-N. And you know the scripture also, as, was, as Don read, said that as we are the light of the world, we're to be like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden And I can't tell you how many times that particular aspect of the verse has come to mind when after uh, after dusk at nighttime I'm driving toward 
But where we are here in the city of Huber Heights, that I, I see a ridge of, uh, of bright lights, and I think, well, that's what we're to be in the world, uh, reflecting the light of God. Um, it just can't, uh, can't be hidden. Yeah, that's true, because when we get saved, we know that the Holy Spirit comes and uh, as God and comes and lives inside of us. And so it's in us. And so, as you said about reflecting it, that's what we do because it should get out on us, right? And if the Spirit is within us, it is going to get out on us. And so the Scripture said here, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. So we can see from the Scriptures here, Jesus said that, the children of God are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So that's who we are in Christ. The Holy Spirit living within us means that the light of Christ was, is within us. And so that makes us who we are. It's not something that we work for, not something we grow into. It's who we are. We are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. So Jesus' meaning here is that we are to show him uh, to the world in such a way that people want him in their own life. Mm -hmm. So we're to live this life of holiness, of godliness, reflecting his goodness to people and to spread the gospel. That's our role. And so let's relate this to the world we live in with the understanding that there's always been sin and corruption and ungodliness in the world down through the course of time. We might seem like the world we're living in, it's horrible and it's never happened before, but it really has. And so what, looking at this, what does our modern-day world look like today? What is going on around us? It's a mess. It is. And, and I don't say that lightly, but as you alluded to, Vicki, it's always been a mess. I mean, going all the way back to the days of Noah, God wiped out all of humanity except for Noah and his family and wiped out all of the animals except for those that made it on the ark. So there have always been these times of messes. I mean, I even look into the history of the United States, and we're talking about, oh, how this is the worst time, the most division there's been in the United States. Is it really? Have we fought a second civil war yet? You know, <laughs> now we might. I'm not saying we won't. But, you know, it, it, there are always times where it seems that people think that they're living through the worst time. And so we say this world is a mess, but that's because it is infected and affected by sin. And we need to reflect as Christians, Jesus Christ. We need to show the people of the world that there is an answer to this infection and affection. That's true. Any other opinions? What does our modern day world look like? What are some other things that's going on around us? Well, I think we're, um, and maybe getting to your next question here, Vicki, but... There needs to be something different about us. If we are to be salt of the earth and the light of the world uh, in honor of Jesus is because who, of who we are, there should be something different about us that the world that does not know Jesus as Lord should be seeing. We're being watched all the time. We're being watched by our children we're being watched by people who don't profess faith in, in Jesus Christ. But uh, I wanted to share with you a verse from 1 Peter 3.15, which I think underscores our need, our responsibility to be different and to stand out and not blend in with this uh, crazy world around us. The Word tells us, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. 
always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. So basically what I think the word is telling us is that in living out our role as salt and light in witness for Jesus, people should say, see the hope that's within us and they should say, how, how come you're so positive? How come you're so, how come this didn't bother you like it bothers me? And it says always be prepared to give an answer. So mm -hmm. we should be different and prepared uh, to witness because God will open what I call those uh, divine opportunities. And you know, Mick, what you said is so important. And at the same time, it just hit me that there might be listeners out there. There might be people sitting in here in the chair that I am occupying that um, might find it difficult to deal with the fact that even we will fail, that we might not always reflect that light the way that we're supposed to. And I just want to encourage people to not be discouraged when that happens. Mm -hmm. There will be people, it has happened throughout my life, I can remember especially when it's people who aren't um, necessarily believing in Christ the way that I do or believing at all, where they will say something along the lines of, and you call yourself a Christian. Mm -hmm. There are always going to be people who will look at us that way. And, you know, we, we still need to repent. We still need to, you know, sometimes go to the Father to say, hey, I've messed up and, you know, help me to do better. I just want to make sure that people aren't discouraged when the the times come when we, we just didn't quite get it right. It is important that we're reflecting Christ. Um, Don, you got any thoughts on what our modern day world looks like today and what's going on around us? Well, and, and I'm sort of going to come from it from a different angle that in a lot of ways, the Church of Jesus Christ got forced into becoming more of a light of the world when all of us had to go online to proclaim how Jesus is the salt, to proclaim how Jesus is the light. So actually, you know, when I explore that reality, even though we're dealing with brokenness and we're dealing with sin, we got forced to say, but people of God, the kingdom of God is here today as you are the salt, as you are the light. And so for me, it's almost as if I see a mini revival that's what I'm praying for through all these, you know, things that we're struggling with presently, because the church got forced to say, oh, we have to be the salt now. Oh, we have to be the light. People are taking a serious look at, you know, spirituality and bringing to life the light of Christ in the darkness we dwell in. So I sort of turned it around in that way If a city on the hill you know, that city on the hill has that light of God shining out into the world right now. Um, and so I was sort of looking and thinking about it in that way a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, you think of the world of technology that we live in and have been in for a long time. It is used for good, but it's also used for evil. You yeah. know, if we would be thinking about what modern day times look like, then we would think about some horrible things that can come across um, in the in that light in the in technology so while we can take good things in scriptures and the hope and everything that you're talking about then on the other flip side of it because of sin we see hate and division you know social media can be a wonderful thing and there's a lot of good the things that are happening there 
But then you can also see all the hatred and the division uh, and things that are, are coming across there as well. Um, and sin running rampant. We see sin running rampant um, in our society. And like we said, it always has been. Um, just to name a few things, you know, there's sexual immorality. Um, and one of the worst things of all is human trafficking. That just bothers me so badly. I would love to see our own country and, and more around the world really addressing that a lot more and spending the money of what it takes to get in there and find these people and do something about that because I, I have to think that that's probably the most worst form of slavery that there could possibly be. And so it's just something so terrible uh, that people are doing. There's also false religions. There was false religions back in the, the modern or the ancient times we read about in our Bibles. Um, but there's also corruption in government. And we see a lot of that, don't we, uh, of things that's being exposed. And it's, it's that way no matter what country uh, that you live in. And so, you know, we take that and take all these things, that, the wonderful things that you guys are saying of what light looks like of what we are supposed to look like in the world. So this is what the world is seeing. And, and, uh, and one other thing that I want to add here, there's also a disdain for Christianity. You know, so if there's a disdain for Christianity in our life and there's plenty of people getting persecuted around the world, there's such a disdain for it, then how much more important is, us, is it for us to be that salt of the earth? be that light of the world, that they're going to see something different in us. You know, like we were talking about earlier, being that healing agent where, you know, if you're looking at that from a personal standpoint of emotionally, that we are going to forgive people and love people no matter how they treat us. We can't do that humanly, but through Jesus Christ, we can. And so if we do the opposite of, of what we're seeing, we look at this, we don't, we don't judge the people for what they're doing and what they're living in. We're trying to love them through it anyway, but yet we speak out against sin, but we're, we're just being Jesus in this sinful, depraved world uh, that we're living in. And that's why it's so important to be in a close relationship with Him, um, to know what God expects of us, uh, so that that Holy Spirit can rise up inside of us to know the Word, to know how we're supposed to live. Because the truth is, if, is if we're not li living it, how are we going to be a light to anyone? Um, and so that, that just kind of takes us to the warning in verse 13 here. Um, so Jesus said that you are the light of the world, but he also warns us about losing our saltiness or our flavor in the world as an influence for Christ. He said here, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You know, when I read that when salt is contaminated, it becomes corrosive and poisonous, rendering it useless. And so, well, we could talk about that for a while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we only have a few minutes left, but we could talk about that one, <laughs> spiritually speaking. But, but anyway, sin contaminates. And so if we as believers are going to walk like the world walks, which James tells us in chapter 4 that we're not supposed to do that. It says that it's hatred toward God. We become an enemy toward God when we're friends with the world. In other words, if we're acting like the world. And so we're to be different from those uh, who don't know Christ so that we can be that influencer and, and not lose our, our saltiness or our flavor uh, because we should be that influencer for Christ. And so um, being salt and light is just so important. Jesus knew that to be true when he said, you are not something that we're growing in, but you are the salt of the earth 
and you are the light of the world, so we need to walk in that truth. And Vicki, I want to thank you for sharing uh, these insights today. As always, you come up with some great insights and you spawn some great discussions for us. You are a light of the world. I want you to know that. Thank you. Vicki Cundiff, Mick Wells, Pastor Mac, Don McDonald. This is Pete Vecchi. I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of Reconciling Grace. May God bless you. May you know Jesus Christ. And may you be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.